0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your Places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one.
1: Camera speeding, audio speeding. Lights and sound, go. And action.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back.
1: Hi. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People.
0: This is a podcast uh, where uh, your hosts... Tyler and Stephanie. Um, What? (laughs) Why are you giggling? (laughs) Nothing, nothing.
1: You're Um, doing great. Thanks. You're doing great. This
0: is episode 11, so I hope I've figured some of it out. Um, Anyways, this is a podcast all about um, arts workers in the theater and film industries. Tyler and I work in those industries when there isn't a pandemic, and we're interviewing people who also work in those industries when there isn't a pandemic. Um, And this week we have uh, a cool guest that is a buddy of Tyler's. Yes,
1: a super cool guy who has directed me many a times. Uh, He is a video game cinematics director and his name is Webb Pickersgill. Hello,
0: buddy. Hi, Web. Hello. <laughs>
2: I'm kind of like this is out fire right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Whoa.
1: laughs>
0: Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This
1: going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, you decided to, to pop in and and do this. I want to yeah. get to know you a little bit more than I already have. All right. So cool. yeah. uh, first things first, what do you do as a video
2: game director? right uh it 's a good question. Uh, I ask myself that all every day um, so <laughs> what I do and I guess it's complicated but at the same time it's pretty easy. so think of me just as a film director, right like I work with actors, I get performances, um, uh, but we work on a mocap stage, so instead of working on a physical set uh, in the world, we work on a mocap stage, which is basically it 's like a like what, 20 or 30 by 30 room um, and with the black suits with the little white dots all over them if you've seen behind the scenes footage of that. And, uh, and my job is to try to get authentic performances with a truly imaginary circumstance because <laughs> you have nothing to go on other yeah. than your imagination at that point. So uh, yeah and that's basically what I do. Um, I worked on uh, the last game that we released was called uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm, and uh, I was the game director on that, but we actually had a, a co-game director. I was more of the cinematic side of game mm-hmm. direction, and then uh, my co-game director, Chris Floyd, was the, the game design side of the game. So between the two of us, we kind of developed the game together, um, and the current project we're working on, I am the performance director. So there is a game director above me, and I'm just now focused on performance direction.
0: Nice. And so, before um, you work with the the actors who are, you know, um, whose movements are being recorded and whatever, are you? Do you have an idea of what they're going to be looking like in the game itself, in terms of like which character they're emulating, and and or you kind of does that, all that stuff revolve around what you end up doing with the people who are?
2: Right. That's a really good question, and it depends on the project. Um and this is kind of speaking industry-wide, there's uh, one way of going is you cast, and you cast somebody that is a known, say, celebrity, and then they're scanned, and their model is created from their likeness, and oh, then they cool. then they motion capture to their likeness. Right. So it's like a one-to-one relationship. That's so, nice. Um, and we've seen games that that do that. Um, like Ellen Page has been in several video games mm, where her likeness
3: mm-hmm, and they,
2: mm-hmm. Um, But uh, other games are designed just... The development cycle is a little bit different where they'll come up with a story and they'll come up with characters and they'll start to do art design on these characters completely independent of the casting. And it's not until like the story is already so far in development that we even start the casting process. So we have to find somebody who really just more embodies the personality of the character and we don't look for likeness at all. It's helpful if they have like facial features that map on, but for the most part, we're looking for character. We're looking for performance. We're looking for just like who they are, the essence of who they are.
0: Right. Right. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, And are all of the video games you do like one player story or are they Mm -hmm. like, is it a lot of different kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not very, video game. Um, well, let me
2: give you this literally. tour. <laughs> okay, let me give you the tour of what's going on here. So um, right. So, in the video game industry, right, yeah. you have your typical video games. Like, I mean, I'm an old school guy, like Pac-Man, Donkey right. Kong, right? That's right. how games started out.
3: Right. Um,
2: but there was a, a trend that started uh, coming along, well, back in like, King's Quest. I don't know if you guys even know what oh, King's Quest God. is. Oh, my gosh. It's like the
0: one computer game right. I play all the time. Yes. Okay. Great.
2: So <laughs> so games like that, which was you know, your typical adventure game. You are this yeah. character. And usually it's 2D. They walk across the screen. Yep. You have to pick up the apple. And you have to give the apple to you the whatever. type
1: in the yeah. instructions. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like Zork,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. Even where it's all text-based, where you have Great. to type in what you want. Yeah. So that was like the origin of adventure games. And then there was a resurgence of this um, not too long ago, I'd say within the last 10 years, uh, by a company called Telltale Games. Games, um, and they came up with a really successful series called uh, The Walking Dead. Well, okay. The Walking Dead existed, but sure. they uh, licensed it in order to create a an adventure game series based on that. And basically, this resurgence of a an adventure game style game, where you know your accuracy on how you could shoot or your high score didn't matter. It was more about the player experience. It was right. more about you are making choices on. Who, what this character does it was the choose right. your own adventure if right, you remember right, right. that you yeah, guys yeah. <laughs> are pretty young but you know um like choose your adventure books where you turn to page 15 to find out if you live or died. so like it's basically extending that into the digital world um and it's, it doesn't no high score no like it, and some some games you can quote die right. like in, in the um walking dead you could die and yeah. then you'd have to start it or whatever but there's some games that uh like the Life is Strange series, for example, there is no death, there is no, you don't die, you just, you make choices, and then you just have to live with those choices, you live with those consequences, so it's a really interesting way, you really can't do anything wrong, it's an exploration,
1: and then at that point,
2: what do you want to do, oh, do you want to talk to this guy, do you want to hate that guy, do you want to like that guy, do you want to ask this person out, or do you want to kick him in the face, like, you're so many choices, and then you have to figure out what you want to do.
0: yeah. Um, anyway so
2: tech nine games that 's what we do we do okay. the um, we don 't do the pac man games and we don 't do the shoot 'em games um, okay. although the company does have a history of doing standard uh, sony playstation um, games in the past but then about f- five six or seven years ago they converted from a standard gaming model into a storytelling model they wanted to pursue this new resurgence of adventure video games right so um we used to be called called idle minds was the old name of the company um that was I think it's been 20 years now, I think that's how long they've been around. So they oh, rebranded saying, okay, we're changing gears. Let's yeah. kind of celebrate this rechanging of gears by rebranding yeah. and having a whole new identity. And we'll release our first game under this new identity. So they rebranded as Deck Nine Games. And uh Life is Strange Before the Storm was the um the first title released under that. That's awesome. Yeah. And like
1: how did you fall into this? area of the industry, because I, I mean, I've obviously met so, you. fell into
2: it is very uh. <laughs> in, accurate, believe it or not. <laughs> so, I was
1: just, I've yeah, always been curious, like,
2: how, how, Yeah, how do you do that? Right, so, yeah. all right, um, there's a longer backstory of me, which I'm, maybe we'll get into later, but the short of it is I was in LA, uh, briefly before I was in Colorado. I was in LA and I had moved there trying to make it in LA in quotes, right? Like right. everybody tries to go there and do that. And after two years of being there, I just realized it really wasn't for me. I know for some people it is. For some people it's like, you know, putting on the glove and you're like, ah, oh, I'm home. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like, ah, I don't know about this place. And you know, I've got, I'm married and I've got three kids and, and we lived in Burbank, which was really nice. It nice uh, best, uh, one of the best education systems there. So I was happy with, you know, the kids and everything, but I just, it just wasn't working for me. So talking with Sharon, my wife, and she's awesome. And we're just like, okay, I'm not happy. And I said, well, all right, I'll just go, I'll go work, I get a desk job at like whatever company. And she's like, no, 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 you can get a desk job anywhere. Mm -hmm. And if you could get a desk job anywhere, do you want that to be in LA? Or where do you want that to be? And we're Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. We could literally be anywhere and do a a different job. So we basically wiped the slate clean and said, where do we wanna move? like anywhere, like even in the world, right? We looked in the world and we're like, ah, uh, you need like work visas and stuff. To <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not. Um, although like New Zealand or right? like there's some places that I'm just like, yeah. oh God, that would be so awesome. But um, <laughs> but instead we just looked in the US and said, okay, let's do a search. We came up with a list of all the places that we had that we thought would be ideal to live. Mm-hmm. And we started doing searches. We found an article, uh, maybe it was Time, not Time Magazine. It, it was uh, news. I can't remember. It was some uh, magazine that had like the 10 best places to live in the country for a family. And Mm -hmm. on number two on that slot was Louisville, Colorado. And we're like, what's this Louisville, Colorado? No, no, no. It's Louisville, Louisville. Colorado, just to be corrected. Um, (laughs) And we looked into it and we're like, this place looks really cute. And then we looked in the surrounding area and we looked at our checklist of all the things that we wanted in a place to live. And we're like, I think this looks like where we need to live. Mm -hmm. And so sight unseen, we canceled our lease in LA. We called ahead, we found a place here. We just said, yeah, we saw the pictures of your uh, apartment. That looks kind of good. All right, we'll take it. We sent him a check. We had never actually seen the place. We just packed up our stuff, drove out here and we're like, okay, I guess we're living here now. So (laughs) anyway, so we moved out here. It was just completely um, blind uh, for us to do that. Now I'd been in IT for in, in years past. So I was like, all right, the film thing didn't work out. I'll just go back to what I know. I know it pays well. I know there's a need there. I know mm-hmm. I'm capable of it. So I started interviewing for IT jobs. And things were, you know, it's like it was like three months into it and things weren't, you know, really working out. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden I saw this job posting and it's like looking for a cinematic artist for a video game company. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think I know how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Just, I, I, It's only been three months. I mean, how, how you know, stale could that knowledge be? Right. So um, anyway, so I looked and when I did research on the company, they were literally across the street. Like, oh, I, you goodness. know, McCaslin Boulevard was, you know, where my apartment was. And they were on oh. the other side of McCaslin Boulevard. So anyway, so I emailed, uh, <laughs> sent the resume and sent all of the stuff. And I emailed the... Uh, the main guy, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Litford, and I emailed him, hey, hey, just letting you know, I sent my info in, really interested to hear back from you, and then, like, apparently, I made an impression on him, because he still tells this story at, like, company parties about how I sent this, like, overly enthusiastic cover letter with, like, all this (laughs) stuff, and I was so excited, and, and I was like, I got to talk to this guy, and he's got all this experience, and he lives across the street, anyway, so... Yeah, anyway, so yeah, I interviewed, obviously, I got the job, it was really nice, and um, we started working on a project uh, that eventually got canceled, which Mm. always happens in the video game Mm -hmm. industry, right? You work on something, and then something happens with the publisher, and it gets canceled, but um, soon after that, we picked up the job with Square Enix to work on Life is Strange Before the Storm, but yeah, across the street, it was crazy, so it, like, fell into my lap. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, what were you doing? What were you trying to do in LA? Video game stuff or more like specifically film, TV, uh, directing?
2: Yeah, so let's start okay. backing this. We'll start telling the story in, in reverse now. So yes. backing up from Colorado. Um, lived in LA for a couple years. Um, worked mostly as a cinematographer
3: okay. and
2: oh. um, cinematographer, but also I did a lot of work as an editor, a color correctionist, uh, visual effects artist so you know, those kinds of jobs just kind of make ends meet always right. looking for the next dp gig uh, for a feature or whatnot right and i you know i did my share of projects and it was fun uh, a lot of low budget stuff before then i lived in phoenix arizona uh, for okay. about 10 years and that's really where i did a lot of my work um, okay. i was there for about 10 years i had a video production company that i started um, I. You know, I did the corporate stuff because the corporate stuff pays right. really well. Commercials yeah. and corporate work, as yep. you guys probably know very well. <laughs> um, and then Weekend Warrior with, uh, you know, with films and just like, oh, I want to do a short film. Get my friends together. We go make a film. We do like the 24, 48 hour film challenges all the nice. time. Uh, one year we like swept the whole series. So there were That's like awesome. three that they had all year. and We yeah. actually won first place in all three of them. So we won like the coup de grace, you know. Yeah. So. It was like super fun, um, just making films. Uh, made a, you know, shot a couple features. Never got to direct the feature. And that's mm-hmm. one of the bucket list mm-hmm. items I still have mm-hmm. to do. But, you know, I would direct all my corporate video stuff. I direct short films, but mm-hmm. uh, mostly I was a cinematographer for features. So much fun. Camera work, lighting, yeah, uh, editing. Uh, anyway, blah blah blah. <laughs> so yeah, so there. So now we've kind of taken one step yeah. back. Yep, so I was in LA for a while. It. I'm sorry, I was in a, yeah Phoenix for a while after. So um, yeah, and oh, it's good times. So you, you guys are dusting off some old memories here. Yeah. I'm not,
3: I'm not,
0: I'm not well, thing. and and so is. Do you prefer the the, video technical elements of it, or is it that you want to do like you say you want to direct a feature film? Is it because you like, you want to be able to in, have your hand in all of the pots or do you kind of have a preferred part but that's just something that you'd like to try just to kind of go have a go at it
2: so you ask a really good question <laughs> I, I, I don't know what makes me tick yeah uh, i'm an old fart and i still don't know what makes me tick i'm still trying to figure it out but like yeah i as i was thinking about this a note that i made to myself here i seem to have career add um, like,
0: <laughs> like josh <laughs> I don't, oh yeah, yeah. Our, our former guest same thing <laughs>
2: i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm yeah. doing tomorrow i don't know why i did what i did but it's all been fun yeah um, so yeah so i've gotten you know i've done uh cinematography on several feature films yeah been there done that got the t-shirt uh, mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> um you know i've edited feature films and you know and all these have been great experiences um I really like DPing editing. I don't think I really got a chance to really stretch my legs in there. Is I've done DP it. Is
0: DP director of photography or, yes. or production? Okay,
2: not director production. of photography. Okay. yes. Yeah, that's a good okay. question. Um, and but you know, directing, I've always done the short form piece, but I've never mm-hmm. had an opportunity to long form. I just want to do it. Like I just have this bucket mm-hmm. list of stuff I sure. want to do. I don't know if it'll suck or not. I don't care if it sucks or not. Right. I just want to do it. Right. right. Yeah. Um And then, but there's like so many things I want to do in life, like. Oh gosh, like so many. And I don't know. Like this may be I saw the questions that you know you're gonna be talking about with me today. And you know, is like where you know, like where do you want to go from here? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Like next yeah. year I could be a basket <laughs> weaver. I don't know. <laughs> I could be a professional pole dancer. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Get hooked up with Leah and she can yeah, teach me how to ride. and it. do that. You know? She's so. you. I know, right? She's got some Black so, Friday deals coming up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um uh, But, like, right now, what I'm doing, like, I Mm -hmm. love it. It's great. Yeah, Um, And and to actually answer your question, uh, because I know, like, having listened to your past podcast, there is, everything's a tangent in this whole conversation. And I get that. And I'm not going to apologize for that at all. No, not Um, at all. It's it's not formal at all. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like. Yeah, film. What what was the question? Cuz I had an answer for you.
0: Um, do you like did you want to be a director or do you want to direct because you want to try just try it or uh, are you drawn yeah. to it like that's your ultimate goal, I guess, is a better way to ask the question.
2: So, for me, I want I wanted to direct because which is something I haven't done yet. And I wanted right. to do it. I've kind of done enough of it now where it's kind of scratched that itch. Right. So in order to check off my bucket list item of directing a feature, I need to find the feature that I'm going to be passionate about. Sure. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you had asked me 10 years ago, I, I just feature, great, I'll, I'll direct it. Yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. would have done it. I don't know how it would have turned out. It probably would have been okay. But like, right. it wouldn't have been as good as if opportunity came to me now where I could pick it and I could really craft it the way I wanted. Right. Absolutely. So, and um, you also mentioned something about technical stuff. And it's funny you bring that up because I, again, I'm a weird cookie. I'm very technical, but I'm mm-hmm. also very creative. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder if I have like some sort of creative bipolar disorder. I don't know <laughs> thing, but, um Yeah, because I I love being very creative, like making things and Mm -hmm. crazy ideas and Mm -hmm. philosophy and all that. And then at the same time, I can sit down and like, uh, like program in C++ or, you know, Mm -hmm. design a system or Mm -hmm. build a computer or, you know, I don't know, like all sorts of crazy technical stuff. And I've always been looking for the things that like, bring those two disciplines together. And video games actually kind of, ends up scratching both of those yeah. in a really cool way right because I get to be creative but I'm also in a mocap room where right. we've got high-end technology we have to make sure it's working and is operating at peak efficiency in order to get the best data and it's just like yeah it's awesome for me do you feel like
1: there has there been any sort of disconnect with I mean obviously in, in some ways but from your perspective as a performance director you know where not all in the studio anymore and it's you know maybe two or three people do you feel like there's a disconnect to it especially if you're working from home or has that uh i guess more technical side of working at home been able to, to free your mind creatively and not feel so i guess for lack of a better description encaged in a mocap studio
2: right so you bring up a good point here what about just covid and how mm-hmm. covid has kind of impacted performance <laughs> capture mm-hmm. uh, in my world and it, it has been hard um, and I'll say that for sure. And there's many elements that are, that are hard because of it. But the one thing that was really cool, I'm gonna concentrate on the positive first, um, is that as soon as this whole pandemic happened, um, our studio came to us and said, okay, we need to come up with a plan. How are we going to capture the rest of our game
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, under these conditions? And we were, the finish line was within view. Um, mm-hmm. So we, weren't, we didn't have a lot to do, but we did have a significant amount that still needed to be done how are we gonna do this? And I was like, okay. And I got together um, uh, with my coworkers, the animation director, uh, Chad, and we always kind of get in a room and just talk. And all of a sudden we've like solved all the problems of the world together. And then we, <laughs> tell, and then we tell no one, uh, yeah. no, but, yeah. like, but, uh, <laughs> but we got together and we started bashing some ideas around and we realized, I think we can do this. Like, I think we could actually do remote motion capture like not in the studio. So what we ended up doing, um, I put together a spec and I built a home motion capture system. Mm. Um, And it was, um, basically it's like a rack mount case with a bunch Mm -hmm. of rack items in it. Um, It had audio gear. It had um, time code generators, um, Genlock synchronizing uh, equipment. It had video capture recording because we have to capture the face for... Mm -hmm. um, for motion capture we invested in a uh in a new kind of motion capture system uh normally we capture on what's called vicon vicon is the black suit with the white dots it's an optical system which requires a large space in order to Mm -hmm. put all the cameras out and in the space um but that wouldn't work if you're trying to do it like in a remote location Mm -hmm. so we invested in something called x sense, which is it's a different kind of suit it's actually an um gyroscopic and magnetic oh, so basically these sensors are once you've kind of calibrated the system you can be anywhere um like they literally put people in scuba divers and they motion capture underwater or they skydive and they motion awesome. capture you can do it anywhere you want so we um took that technology and we decided to we created this package with the rack uh rack gear and this new kit And we sent it with our uh, home, with our lead actor. Mm. Um, And they were in their basement. Luckily, they had a basement that had a decent size. It wasn't big, but it was enough to get the job done. And we put up some uh, sound insulation in there, Mm -hmm. or rather they did, because Mm -hmm. they had to do it all in there. We We dropped the boxes off on the front desk, and they basically got on Zoom and it's like, okay, yeah. plug this cable into yeah. here, oh plug this here, goodness. hang this on the wall. So like a yeah. week later of setting everything up, we then had a remote motion capture. We get on That's Zoom. Awesome. Um, we had, uh, we'd send scripts ahead like we normally do. And they would put on all the gear. And yeah, you do all the stuff remotely. And it just took a long time to execute on the right. same amount of content. Yeah. But um, it we technically were able to do it, which was the biggest hurdle. Well, at the time, it was the biggest hurdle. Right. Once we were able to technically do it, we captured some stuff, we pushed it through, and we said, oh, shit, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, God, all right, cool. Uh, because, you know, <laughs> when you put this together, nobody's done this before, so we don't know if it was actually going to really work. So it did. And then um, I said, okay, now it works. Now we have to really take that step back and say, okay, how are we going to make sure the performance is going to be good? Mm-hmm. And it was hard. It was really hard for a lead actor to... Be alone in their basement, Mm -hmm. just performing against nobody, Mm -hmm. right? And and having something believable. No, it was it still went really well, but we had to go a few times saying, "I'm just not feeling it. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. and I know it sucks for you. I I apologize, Mm -hmm. but I'm not (laughs) feeling it." And they're probably like, "Oh God, Mm -hmm. Webb, shut up! I'm in my basement by myself." (laughs) (laughs) But um, but we got some really good stuff. It was hard. It was hard on them for sure.
0: Can you um, go into more detail, like how the what how the process works in terms of from putting an actor in a suit to recording their movement to then making that movement into something that you put with graphics? And I don't, I'm just making okay. words now. There's a lot of
1: hand signals. Yeah. Going on All right, here we go. I'm going to try to so give you. So
0: curious.
2: <sighs> All right. I'm gonna try take to condense this drink. as much as I can. Okay, yeah, right, <laughs> <sighs> okay, here we go. So right, we're suited up, uh, we capture the content, let's assume it's the best performance ever. Right. At that point, if we're in our Vicon system, which is a optical system, each one of those little markers on the body is seen by any number. I think we have like 20 cameras around the room. So as long as any three cameras can see each marker, it can properly triangulate where that marker is in 3D space. It's basic triangulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three cameras, you can do any single point. So it basically triangulates each of those markers. And I forget how many markers we have in our set. It was like 56. There's like 56 markers per each character. Um, And then our software, uh, Vicon has a software called Shogun. And what it does is it looks at each marker and then it markers it saying, okay, well, this one belongs to the wrist. This one belongs to the elbow, whatever. And it basically creates a skeleton out of those markers. And it knows, well, okay, if this is here and this is here, okay, that's where his arm is. And if this is here and this is here, then that's where his shoulder is. And it reconstructs a skeleton of their movements in the software. So we captured it. It's in Vicon Shogun. And then they have to clean it up because sometimes there's little hitches or jitters, sure, or whatever. Sure. So we have an artist that goes in to clean, to make sure that the data is nice and clean. That comes out. Uh, I'm going to use some technical terms. You don't that's have to know fine. what they mean, but right. for any geeks out there that can appreciate this, I'll, right. take your notes. Um, what that does, it, it spits out an FBX file, which is an animation file. It has all the data, uh, the skeleton, all the information about the motion, uh, that goes over to our animation team. Now, that's just the body. At the same time, we also have a helmet that is worn with a bar that comes out in front with a tiny little camera at the end of it with a little light on it. It mm-hmm. captures basically a video of the face. It's basically uh, a selfie that never goes away. Like, it's just <laughs> capturing your face all the time. Yeah. Um, and basically, that video file is also linked to that the body file. Mm-hmm. And then we clean, we have the face. We process the face. And what it does, it's similar to those... You guys have it on your phone, right? Like you put it on and you can like make funny faces and it like turns you into Iron Man or whoever you want, right? Snapchat,
0: whatever,
2: sure. Exactly. So it it knows how to do that. Basically, we do that and it looks at the face and it analyzes the lip movements and eyebrow movements and it turns that into animation data. And then those two are glued together with a bunch of magic software that we write at Deck Nine Games. And then that spits out a final animation.
0: Cool. All right
2: now I have an animation. Great. Uh, we then spit that over to our cinematics department. And what they do is they get the script and then they have, uh, basically, it's a, a timeline editor. Think of it like DaVinci Resolve or mm. uh, Adobe Premiere or okay. um, trying to think of uh, iMovie, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, to, okay, I'm trying to think of something that anybody <laughs> yeah, could understand. Yeah. So it's basically a software like iMovie, but instead of video clips that you're editing, you're basically, you have an animation and so, okay, I've got this animation, I can scrub through the timeline, I can see the person moving, mm-hmm. but instead of just like a video where you only see it from one angle, mm-hmm. I can now fly a camera around in 3D space and I can choose how I wanna see that character. So, That's cool. so, so cool. they see the performance happening and then they go and they pick, okay, I want this camera here. Okay, and then when they say, this line of dialogue, I'm going to change the camera to this other position, and then I'm going to show this angle. And they basically take that performance, they set all the camera angles, they often cut down the performance too, right? Just like in film, it's not like you just drop the clip in and there's your scene. Right. You pick your little pieces from different performances and you you tighten things up in order to make it flow better, et cetera, et cetera. So they then edit those performances together. They have to do digital lighting for everything, which is uh, digital lighting (laughs) as a DP. So as a DP in the real world with real world lights, um, we take so much for granted. Like even I know we're doing a video uh, here together today, but like all the all the lighting in this room here, I just take for granted. It's just bouncing all over the place. And you think you get it for free in the video game world. You get nothing for free. If you want an ambient light, you have to like create it and say how big it is and where it is and all this. Right. So lighting a whole scene is a huge process just uh, to get it to, just to get it to look normal, sure, quote, sure. normal or whatever. So we'd light it. Um, let see. After that, we, we've shot it, we've lit it. Um, and then there's the whole game side, of course, right. Which right. is interlinking the gameplay, which is, uh, you know, you get to control the character walking right, around. Right. Um, and then when you do a certain thing, like you pick up the, thing of water, it then plays the cinematic sequence of the person picking up the water right, and taking right. a drink and whatever ha- happens after that. So um, do yeah.
0: sorry to interrupt, but oh no, um, that's I was
2: done. I do, okay. <laughs> 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 um
0: I'm just so curious. So um I'm just gonna ask a bunch of questions and we'll whatever. So are the people who you're recording their motion also speaking the lines and then you're recording those lines and using them or are there different voiceover actors also um nope i lost it we'll go with that there. one first
2: so this is a really good question um the first game that we made um before the storm we we made it the tr- quote traditional video game way uh, for these kinds of games where we went to LA and we had a whole cast of characters that we actually recorded their voices in LA. Mm-hmm. And then we brought those back um, to Colorado and then our cinematic artists would actually have to time out that VO from different people and figure out, okay, let me listen to that. Oh, no, I need to t- let that breathe a little bit. Oh, mm-hmm. let me tighten that up. So they were actually placing the timing of the performances um, as part of their job. Um, And then we would have to Um, with our old technology, we used to have to, we had a lip flapper software. So it would listen to the dialogue and it would move their mouths automatically based on the phonemes. Phonemes are the shapes that your mouth makes depending on the different sounds. It would listen to the audio and it would make the different shapes and it would get pretty close. And then we had a whole team of animators that would clean that up and then add the expressions. So they would listen to the audio and say, oh, she seems happy. Okay, I'm gonna open up her eyes a little bit, Mm -hmm, give her a little mm -hmm. bit of a smile. And we basically hand animated the face for the whole game. Wow. Um, for the latest project that we're working on, we decided to go with full performance capture. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to hire everybody out of the Denver area, uh, except for a few people, uh, but for the most part, the entire cast uh, of our latest project is from the Denver area. That's awesome. And, and because of that, we we captured everything from one person at the same time. And it just made the performances so much more believable. Mm -hmm. And like, you can really connect with them uh, because you're right. They have the helmet, we're capturing their face we're capturing their body. And we have the microphone right there on the helmet. So they can just act, Mm -hmm. they can just do what they do. They can react the way they normally react. And and as long as you capture it, it's there. And because I don't have to worry about cameras while we're shooting mocap because I can pick my camera angles later right as long as I've got the performance oh yeah right. I can I'll, I'll get coverage on that later it's like a DP it's kind of counterintuitive right because yeah. it's all about the coverage you know but uh, as a mocap director it's really no it's all about the performance yeah. did you get an authentic performance I can always cover it later uh, in cinematics so yeah so
1: I wanted to ask you especially now what is like a work shift in your typical day as a director in COVID times, like, you know, cause uh, we kind of get a feel for what it was like before, but from your day to day, especially finishing up the, the newest game that you guys have coming out,
2: like what, what's your, what's your day like as a director from behind a remote desk? Huh? So it may not be the most representative because again, we were ramping down. So mm-hmm. we had, we had done some of that work um, with our lead actor in their basement. Um, But a lot of it right now for me is research and development. Mm -hmm. Uh, So between projects, we spend a lot of time looking into new technology, testing technology. So right now in COVID times, um, my job is doing research, working with a remote team, um, and then we go in once or twice a week and we run tests.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the
2: team. rarely we have an actor in, but when we do, it's just one actor. Mm-hmm. We have a whole COVID plan for the studio as far as what is uh, appropriate and mm-hmm. how actors are treated. We only bring in one actor at a time. We have a full protocol for face coverings and face shields. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. But for the most part, we're just doing R&D right now, which is super fun. I, again, yeah. the tech part of me is like, ooh, I get to play. That yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, But on, a, on non-COVID times, it, it's pretty much like a f- directing film right mm-hmm. you've got um you've got people coming in let's say pre-covid you'd have you know two or three actors coming in for the day they come in they get suited up it takes uh depending on how many people it's usually about 45 minutes a person to get mm-hmm. completely suited up and ready for okay now director's ready um and we we capture uh anywhere from a a five-hour day to a 10-hour day. Those Mm. are kind of our two major um, blocks of time that we'll book for, Uh, where film can often be 12-hour days. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Uh, I don't want to do 12. (laughs) like, hey, guys, (laughs) let's just do 10. So, and and 10 is is a good amount of time for us. So we'll shoot a 10-hour day. Um, We we write our scripts like uh, you would normally write a TV show. Mm. So with a feature film, right? You write the whole thing and you revise it a hundred times and then cool. Then a director picks it up and then you start breaking it down and you produce it. But going into it, you basically have a creative vision for the whole thing from the get go. With our games, just with the, the life cycle of the project, you can't do that. Uh, There's not enough money in the world to like spend that much time Mm -hmm. in pre-development and then start making it. Right. So We always um, make the analogy, it's kind of like riding a train while you're still laying the tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally putting the tracks down in front of you as the train's moving and it, it, it's a little crazy. And that's how TV is, right? They're yeah. always writing the next episode while they're shooting the previous one, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. So that's kind of how we operate. So we'll shoot, um, on our stage, we can shoot about 10 pages a day. So a page in film terms is about a minute, right? Mm-hmm. So we can shoot about 10 minutes um, per shooting day. Uh, we try to shoot at most three shoots a week, mm-hmm. um, but more likely it's like two shoots a week because that mm-hmm. gives us a day to prep, um, a day to shoot, and then a day to prep, a day to shoot, and then a day to recover mm-hmm. and, and do other miscellaneous work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our prep days, you know, instead of like... Um, normally if you're prepping for a film, like you'd actually have to visit a location and you have to go out and buy a bunch of props and all that other nonsense. Um, for us, we, we still have to build props, but we build like, um, we'll go out and maybe get a physical object that is supposed to be like in the digital world, and then we have to put markers all over it. Okay, I was just about to ask all that. Yeah, so like if you, um, here, I'll use this as an example. Uh, Here we go as I take my drink. Um, So if I've got my my can of soda here, and if this is gonna be in the game, we'd have to have our motion capture artists put markers on the can Mm -hmm. so that it can be seen from any direction, no matter how I pick Mm -hmm. it up. And now, just like a bone of my body would be captured, it now knows that, oh, this is a can of mm-hmm. soda or beer or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, be tracked. And then, of course, there's objects. Um, just, I'm going to use my, my flip case phone here. Mm-hmm. Let's. <laughs> if this wanted to be captured, we'd have to put markers on both sides because now it's an articulated product. Right, right. right. So it actually would move, and how I move it depends on whatever. Um, so we, we rig those up. Um, we also have to what's called tape off the room. Um, so what we'll do is we bring up, uh, we use Unreal Engine for our gaming. So we'll bring up Unreal and we'll bring up the 3D space, the 3D environment that the environment team has made, which is usually really awesome, really realistic. Uh, We bring it up and then we basically, we set up what's called a grid. So basically we put our motion capture room, we put that space in this virtual world. So okay, in this world, where is um, let's say we're in a house? Okay, let's put the couch over here in the motion capture room. So we kind of line it up in in the. You're using room. like an
0: actual couch in the motion capture room, or is it? like could, boxes? Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, actually, yeah, see you. Yeah, you guys ought to ask the good question. I'm, I'm a theater so
0: girl, so you're I know how it.
3: Works. Yeah, you're <laughs> Specifics. So well, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, that's, and that's a good question. We totally could use a couch, but here's mm-hmm. the downside with motion capture. It's occlusion. Anytime those motion capture cameras can't see the white markers, mm-hmm. it doesn't know where that body part is. Mm-hmm. And it gets in, it, the body can get kind of shaky and squirrely and weird. Right. So we could bring a couch on, but if, if somebody were to sit down and then lean back on the mm-hmm. couch, I've now occluded like 10 markers mm-hmm. and the, our software doesn't know where your butt is. So then your butt looks <laughs> like you're twerking, right? So... <laughs> It's like, I'm trying to figure it out, but I can't see it, so I'm going to (laughs) guess, and it it never gets it right. Right. So what we do is we make facsimiles of those objects using apple boxes, using uh, poles or whatever, Mm -hmm. so that... So you might be sitting on some Apple boxes, you might be leaning against uh, a bunch of PVC piping or some piping, Mm. but now the cameras can see behind you, it can see all the markers, and it's a functional equivalent uh, in in real space. So we have to design those things, we have to build them. Um, Then what we do is once we built them and we've tested them for accuracy against the digital world version of everything, so it's accurate, we then tape off the floor, and saying okay this is where the apple box goes and this is where the poll goes mm-hmm. we have a documentation system so that we know and then we take it off the set um because then we may not have that shoot for another week or another mm-hmm, couple mm-hmm, days
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah and then you know of course on the day we bring out the apple boxes we stack them up we check it cool all right actors in let's let's roll it That's so awesome. yeah it's Crazy. so the process is basically we prep and then we shoot and then after a shoot um i just like a film you would say okay that's a circle take we're moving on we market uh, we have special software internally developed software that we use to track everything and then after after a shoot i go in basically to my edit bay and i will look at all the reference footage so we have uh camera operators mm-hmm. so yes we're capturing like digital motion capture information like i said all the little markers on mm-hmm. the body but we also hire uh, day players to be camera operators mm-hmm. and they're basically capturing reference footage mm-hmm. um and it's you know, just footage of people in black suits with white dots um, and and I pull that footage into DaVinci Resolve and I go through and I, I mark this as a circle take and I say oh cool let me watch it and I watch it through and say oh yeah that was pretty good and I still have to pick the in and out points mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. all the clips that I want and sometimes this is the really cool thing about uh, virtual performances is I might do two takes and on take one Um, I liked, uh, the girl's performance, Mm -hmm. but on take two. I kind of like the guy's performance. So I literally can take them and use the best of each and then Mm -hmm. stack them on top of each other. And now they're actually acting against each other, but they're actually different takes. Right. Um, and I can, but in film, you could do that. You do that all the time because Mm -hmm. I have a single on you and I have a single on you. Of course you can intercut them. That's an, but I could put you in a two shot even though yeah. you're in two different takes. Yeah. That's like the awesomeness is I can really assemble the right performance based on the best takes. Oh, that's that's good. So, cool. so I'll go into my edit bay and I find the best of the best and I have to trim out all the pieces I want because we can't be wasteful. Every right. Every clip that I push through goes in the game, it's, they're huge. Animations are really large and yeah. that's, you know, when you're complaining on your PS4 because it takes like three days to download the latest game, it's like, that's why. <laughs> it's like so much animation content, yeah. right? So we wanna try to only push through the stuff that we know is gonna make it into the game. You push it through and then rinse and repeat i'm now prepping for the next uh, the next scene you know reading the scripts uh talking with the, the game director understanding the scene the motivations doing my breakdowns as mm-hmm. a creative director just trying to figure out okay where am i going to push actors to what are what are some of those ideas that i want to do as far as getting them into those spaces some of the tricks as uh, tyler knows some of the tricks i would play on you to kind of trick you to get into the mm-hmm. place that i want you to be or, <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatnot mm-hmm. um
1: yeah so yeah
0: that's so cool
1: it's it's honestly like one of the just seeing it in real life it just feels surreal Mm -hmm. because you don't feel like it should be that grandiose because you know it's all technical stuff And when you walk in it is you know an empty room cameras all over the place but you're in awe when you see this completely take form and it's just the coolest thing ever
0: how um I remembered my other question so Woo. do you ever i know right <laughs> do you ever um just kind of take generic uh video for things that happen in the game consistently like the character walking or the character like or mm. does it have to be every yeah. single thing is videoed
2: yeah uh, excellent question yeah you you guys ask really good questions <laughs> this is awesome. so um so in a traditional video game mm-hmm. uh we call those loops or idols right which right. is it's a animation that may only be five seconds long, but it loops, and you can have a person standing on a street corner indefinitely because they right. just stand there and loop. And maybe you have a couple extra animations where you know he scratches his arm or he waves or something, and you can you know blend those together to make it look like one seamless thing. And a lot of games are made that way. Um, what we've done, or what we like to do at Deck Nine is we call one-to-one performance. Mm-hmm. So when we get into a cinematic, um, we actually like to. Befo- every second of performance is actually that second of performance Uh, because that way it makes every moment unique and special Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. specific to that part of the script Mm -hmm. Um, but the characters that are out let's say um, in in the world right as you're walking around you're pushing your stick on the controller and you're walking around the world and you you're interacting with these other characters for the most part those are the loops right Right, right, unless it cuts into a cinematic where you get to talk to them one-on-one then we usually cut to this um, more one-on-one performance Yeah
0: and so like the cinematics are are those moments where um yeah you you are involved in the game and it's not just aimless wandering or kind of exploring it's mm-hmm. when they're interacting and, and converse okay cool
3: exactly um, yeah.
0: i keep thinking like i i haven't played an adventure game since king's quest and i was you know in
3: <laughs> middle
0: school um but you know so the things i keep thinking of are like Um, when you're playing one-player shooter games or whatever, and then Mm. there's the in-between period, like maybe you Mm -hmm. completed the level and then it's, you know, James Bond's friends jump down and they're like, all right, you got to go do this thing now. And like, there's that little scene lit before you move on to the next thing. But what you're doing adventure games are those, but so much more often because it's in a part of Mm. what you're trying to do as the game itself, right?
2: Yeah, that's a good distinction. Um, A lot of the games nowadays are they're more of a game with cinematic interludes right right and uh, people who play those games I'm going to drastically stereotype here so (laughs) Um, but like people who play those heavily intense action games are there for the game right Right. so they play the game and when the cinematic comes up they might enjoy it or whatever just so they can understand what they have to do next but they might go grab a sandwich right it's no skin off their back yeah whereas um at deck nine games we make the games it's walking around is oh, I might go grab a sandwich and right. the cinematic is the part where I'm definitely sticking around for because yeah, I'm here yeah. for the cinematic because it, it's all about the relationships of the characters right. and, and how they feel and oh gosh if they feel that way I should probably go do this thing you know it's all social engineering and it's all emotionally driven yeah so
0: it's very I mean it's basically an RPG just on a screen instead of in your brain using paper and pen and dice
2: yeah in a way um, there <laughs> is so it, in Real good point. Uh, RPGs, obviously, you can completely customize your character, right? right? Where you can say, oh, I'm going to be, you know, blonde. I'm going to be this, uh, like a wizard or whatever, you know, for RPG. um, And all these stats, I'm going to max out this stat. I'm going to do this. And it's completely customized to you. Right. Uh, The games, um, the stories that we tell with our games, we have, not that it's on rails, but there are a certain number of parameters that are always true about a character. Got it. Because if... If we had to allow for all those variables, as far as like all those different emotional types that could happen with the character, capturing all those different variations, it would be, yeah. Yeah, you'd have one scene, yeah, yeah, (laughs) and and then you'd be out of space because all the different variations that one scene in right. order to, so yeah, there are a lot of changes that you can make to your character as far as the choices you make. And I'm going to steer my character this way. Mm-hmm. And it does affect the game, but you can't get down to the RPG level. Right. Not, yeah. you, know, sure. you can really customize your character. Right. Um, it's just impractical with the way sure. that yeah. do no, that makes sense. I think
1: yeah. one crazy thing I've learned, even, you know, my short time working under deck nine is just how, big the fan base is for these games that, you know, you've, you've directed and that you've, you've helped produce it's to such a level that you can type in life is strange and there's hundreds of subreddit pages dedicated to discussing relationships between virtual characters. And it's just, it's an incredible thing that I think is really bonding so many different types of people. And hopefully, pushing them towards you know the industry as well, looking for something they can do within it. So I want to dig a little bit deeper. What sparked your interest in you know cinematography, gaming, storytelling? Like what uh, what was Little Web's first experience that launched his his passion into this direction?
2: Oh gosh, um, yeah, I was thinking about this uh, question uh, kind of ahead of time. And the list I came up with, was like, oh my God, it's going to take me an hour just to, <laughs> you know, just to kind it. of figure let's out. Let's like, oh God. You know, um, but like, yeah, I've always been so interested in so many different things and I'm not sure exactly how those contributed to you know, who I am today, but all these small things, like when I was a kid, I loved Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know what kid i grew up in the seventies didn't, but mm-hmm. um, but like Star Wars really got me interested in practical visual effects. And for years, I was like, oh, I want to do you know, visual effects. That will be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for years, I was into magic, like performing magic. Um, mm-hmm. oh, in my wow. house, you know, it was like uh, Web the Great. You know, I made yeah. myself a T-shirt. I had the hat, you know, and I would do heck. magic tricks for my family and whatnot. Um, every now and then, I would do one where they'd go oh my god like, <laughs> like and i would be like yes yes you know <laughs> uh, most of the time they were just being nice and like oh wow that was good no but like you know just the idea because I, the reason i bring up magic is because we kind of do that right yeah, there is a absolutely. certain magic trick that we're always trying to pull over on an audience whether mm-hmm. to get them to believe something or to get them to go oh wait what what happened right it's a storytelling almost technique is to sure. kind of magic uh that pun intended the magic that comes from watching a a show um i did let me see um i was in high school i was really into music i played sax for a while that was my first instrument but then i picked up a bass guitar and i've never looked back from that so i'm a bassist and i love playing bass um have a guitar now keyboard i went to school for music education so oh. like i have a music education degree okay totally using
0: it <laughs> um
2: but you know originally i just went for music and i thought maybe i'd be a performance major but i just didn't have the the physical chops to mm. be at that level um so i'm like oh but music like uh, i just i love teaching too so like i'm like oh I could teach that would be fun so i went to music education i did the whole you know teaching middle school and high school um as a as a student um the what's that called uh, student teaching that's mm-hmm, what i was looking for mm-hmm. so i did did all that whole thing but then i graduated and i got into programming so like my first job out of um out of college was actually uh Started out as like an administrative assistant, but then they learned I knew how to com- use computers. And then they ended up hiring me, and I did like database programming and I wrote a bunch of databases to solve problems. And then all of a sudden, the IT department hired me. And oh, then wow. all of a sudden, I was, I started, I created our intranet on. Uh, at the time when intranets were like not even a thing, like we had one because I was like on the bleeding edge of that. So like I did that and then I got into systems design. I was the person who built like our IT infrastructure room, like the room with all the computers in it. So I built all that out. I had an MCSE, which is a Microsoft certified systems engineer, which Mm -hmm. is like a certification you can get for being a Microsoft guy. Mm -hmm. So I did that for several years. I taught MCSE classes. So I taught other people how to become MCSE. Um, As you can see, I'm like, I'm all over the place, right? This is like ridiculous. Like nobody should do this as their career, just as a career (laughs) (laughs) advisor. Anybody listening, please don't do as I say. This is not recommended in in any way. Um, Because it's, but it's it's what I love, right? Like I always just follow my passion. Uh, At the time I was like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to do computers. So I just did that like nuts. And then after that kind of got tired, I'm like, I want to make films. And my wife was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, I want to do that. So, you know, I quit my, I was making really good money as an IT guy. Mm -hmm. I just like left that, bought a couple cameras and started a business. I didn't have a business plan. Are you kidding me? That's too much work. So I just started a business and went out and said, who wants to, who wants to hire me? And I just made a video production company and ended up getting company, uh, getting, uh, clients, um and then you know f- like i said earlier that's when i kind of got into film mm-hmm, and started mm-hmm, doing weekend mm-hmm, warrior stuff and then mm-hmm. getting hired to actually shoot films mm-hmm. and then I in la and that kind of now we're kind of come full circle right, right. but like all those like little things along the totally. way they're all like anything where from technology-based stuff to creative stuff to i don't know what um in between i i I probably answered a rounder question but no, uh, no that
1: kind of, exactly i'd s- say that stacks up <laughs> yeah. pretty well but Also, uh, I mean, I know what you like to do outside of your, you know, Mm -hmm. your career and your day job, but what, just so the listeners know, what else do you do when you're not, you know, working as a performance director, working in front of a computer?
2: Your leading question has been duly noted. Um, So so about a year and a half ago, um, I was pretty overweight. I was about, for a guy, I was 250 pounds. So, um, and I've been, I've been struggling with my weight. Pretty much my whole life. Um, when I think about it, it was basically after high school I kind of ballooned up and I kind of stayed overweight uh, my whole mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And I've never really been happy with it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it is what it is. And then I don't know why, but um, I actually I, I think I had a really bad day at work. <laughs> 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 ironically, um, so I can actually kind of uh, thank uh, you know my my company for this. But um, I had a really bad day at work and I was just pissed and I needed to I needed to do something that I knew I could do. I was mm-hmm. feeling like. Like I couldn't do something at work. I was feeling really restricted at something. So I said, I want to do something just fucking crazy. I just wanted, I don't know what. So um, hopped on my bike um, and I biked to downtown Denver. And it was like, it was like 30 mile trip. And Jeez. and it's, that's, in retrospect, it actually is, Pretty small. It's actually not very far, but um, at the time <laughs> hey. it was like blow my mind. Like yeah. I don't think I could. Like all right, I'm never. I'm gonna pass out halfway, but I don't give a shit because right. I'm fucking doing it. Right. Yeah. Hopped on my bike, started biking downtown, and I got there. And I was like, this is awesome. And I biked up and down the Cherry Creek Trail a little bit, and I was like, this, I freaking did it. Hopped on the bus uh, and bus beat myself back to uh, Louisville, and then I was like, all right, well that was thirty miles. Um, can I do fifty? <laughs> so I'm like, shit, I'm just going to do the next thing, you know, let me see yeah. what happens. So, um, so I, I biked up to, um, Fort Collins. Um, wow. and then after I got to Fort Collins, uh, Sharon drove up and met me. We had
3: lunch. <laughs> yep. picked okay. me up
2: and had some lunch and I was like, okay, well I did 50, 50 hurt. Uh, 50 uh-huh. hurt pretty bad Ooh. and uh, almost hit the wall, but I, it was pretty good. But then I got some advice from friends and family that were big into exercise. Uh, and even you, Tyler, I'm like, hey, dude, how what do I do about these you know, exercises? Yeah. What yeah. do I do? And you were giving me advice and whatnot. Um, and then I got over that hump and then I, I went and did 60 miles and 75. And Damn. then eventually, um, before my uh, birthday last year, I did my first century, which is 100 miles on bike.
0: Wow.
2: So that was fun, and then after that, I did a century every week for the next five weeks. So that Holy was fun. Moly. So then, once I hit it, then I was like, "I'm staying there, baby." Yeah, yeah. Gonna, you know. yep. So, so it's been a crazy, um, it's been a crazy ride. Oh, no pun intended. Sorry, it's been a crazy <laughs> ride. I walked into that one. Um, (laughs) Been a crazy ride. Um, And then I started getting into running. And along this whole way, I basically lost 75 pounds. Got myself down to 175. Uh, I was feeling really good. Um, The big joke was uh, at work for Halloween, I went as a coworker who was, he's like this really skinny guy. (laughs) And I asked him in advance. I'm like, can I go as you as Halloween? And he's like, oh my God, that would be so funny. So yeah, I stood up there and I don't know. My joke was, um, yeah, I think I spent more time on my costume than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> About eight year, eight months worth yeah, of work. Anyway, yeah. but um, but I got down to it, um, and then you know I signed up for a half Ironman um, for this year for 2020, wow. and which of course did not happen. Mm-hmm. But I still continued training for it. Got into running. Got um, first time I tried running, I made it like a mile. Mm-hmm. Right? You know. But I, you know I'm running like half marathons once a month That's now. Awesome. That's kind of fun. I- uh-huh. and and i did um so yeah over here actually the viewers or uh, the listeners <laughs> won't be reason, able to see any yeah. of this but um i got my little uh, i'm gonna tilt up if i can see it so i got my little wall yes. rack of uh so st- metals awesome. here so i've done a bunch Two, of
0: three, four, five. you got like 10 uh, 15 yeah. 20 medals hanging up there that's
2: awesome yeah so i you know so cool. from oh, my favorite one is the one on the left i did a um it's, it's the May the 4th be with you. It was a a 5k run, um, on the, on May the 4th, and then a 10k run on the 5th, Nice uh, Revenge of the 5th. Um, so that was a (laughs) super fun event. And then of course I've got like some half Ironmans in here, a couple, um, sprint Ironmans, and then I did a few of the Spartan VRs. That's
0: awesome.
3: So Anyway,
2: so that was super fun. Even 2020, I did all those in 2020, all in 2020. Wow. um, Because I was ready, and I'm like, "Uh, screw you, virus. Yeah. I'm I'm doing this anyway, and you can't stop me. Um, But super fun, been doing that. And what's great about this, and this is coming back to creative stuff, when I'm biking, Mm and I'm out there, like when you do 100 miles, I'm out there for about eight hours, nine hours on a bike. Um, I'll start in Louisville I'll go down through downtown Denver I'll loop around the 470 all the way down like centennial and whatever and then I'll come back up it's like eight nine hours so many hours to just think, <laughs> think.
3: and, sure, think. and I'll I'll do
2: podcasts um like last weekend when I was um biking, I was doing like a fifty miler last weekend and i was listening to your podcast. Just time to think and yeah. like and I'll pause it and then I'll just like t- I'll talk to myself totally. Like Love it. absolutely not uh no holes uh barred there, just talking biking by people that are like ah, that guy's weird. <laughs> uh, but like talk to myself, like figuring out like projects I want to do or uh fleshing out story ideas or um working through pro- creative problems and uh, then I'll put my headset back on and I'll bike to some heavy metal for uh twenty miles <laughs> something and then so it's like really a good creative outlet for me as much yeah. as, it is, as it is a life changing outlet it's been a really good creative outlet for me to catch up on podcasts and creative things yeah 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 uh, Yeah,
1: i just i i had to ask that lead-in question because i i'm just so <laughs> freaking proud of you how far you've come oh, thank you man you know i appreciate it uh, from the first time i met you till i don't think i saw you for six months because i was working under another director Right. And then you walk in the office. And, hey, Taylor, what's going on? I'm like, are we not going to talk about this right now? <laughs> like, he's he's wearing his his bike shorts and he's all freaking lean and, and it's. It was just one of those days where I had to do a double yeah. take. I'm like, what? What's
2: happening I right love now? It. But yeah. no, honestly, I am, it's. So I'm pretty awesome. proud of my quads. I, I mean, my quads are like freaking tree trunks, man. I love them. <laughs> oh, oh, they're <laughs> great. great. Stop working on the squishy middle part. I'm still yeah. working on that, as you can see. But yeah, I think we all work on that yeah, part. Exactly. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. So wh- one of the things I was going to ask you, I don't know, how are we doing on time? I don't want to like keep Good. going.
0: Good. I want, I have one more question yeah, for sure that I want to yeah. ask, but you, what do you need to ask us?
2: Well, one of the parts, um, as we're talking about like what I do day to day, one of the things I wanted to bring up was um, just, we do an auditioning process um, at deck nine. And one mm-hmm. of the things, um, and Tyler has of course auditioned for me several times in the past for various <laughs> things. Um, and we, <sighs> because I know there's a lot of creatives that listen to this, uh, this podcast. And as a director, one thing that has always killed me is just the auditioning process. It Mm -hmm. is so dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. It is so like cattle call in, Mm -hmm. out, fuck you. We'll call you. Don't call us. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so impersonal. I hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's like, be the change you want to be in the world. So Mm -hmm. when we were casting for our games, I just said, you know what? I can do this any way I want. So I'm going to do it any way I want. Mm I, 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 The process we do at deck nine and it's different and it throws a lot of people off but hopefully it's um (laughs) tyler hopefully you can comment on this in a second once i've described it (laughs) is we'll do an initial call um which is through like sylvia gregory casting or sometimes we'll just do a call where you send in vo directly or something Um, but once we have our callbacks our callback process um i always schedule an hour for Mm. each callback Mm -hmm. um and usually usually I'll try to get two people in at a time so I don't have to act against somebody or have somebody True. act in a void. But um, so I'll have a, an hour. We're bringing two people in. And then, you know, first, just let's just talk to the person. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, how are you? Uh, you know, tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about the project. Get them comfortable. Mm-hmm. I hate the auditions where it's just like, okay, go in, sending your mark, mm-hmm. slate to the camera. Okay, thank you. Next. Yeah. It's like, really like yeah. you actually think first of all you really think a you're getting the best from that person right and B do you really think that uh, you're actually I don't know you're being successful here oh yeah. gosh just boggles yeah. my, mind. It drives <laughs> my mind so, <laughs> so yeah I talked to them a little bit and then um, and I could tell some people right there that like they're not comfortable I can mm-hmm. just tell uh, mm-hmm. because they're like oh what's going on right now I, I didn't think this was an interview I just thought yeah. I'd have to act um, and so that I talked to them and then I and then I open up with, I uh, do some Meisner. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Meisner yeah. technique, but um, I do Meisner technique with the actors. Yep. And it's super fun because even if they've never done it before, it usually can uh, yeah. happen pretty quickly. You just you know, look at each other. And for those of you who are listening, who are not familiar with the technique, basically you just look at the other person. And as you're looking at them, they as soon as you feel an impulse about how, something that you see on them, it could just be like, I'm looking at Tyler right now. And I'll just say, your hair looks funny. And then, and they do. What would you say, Tyler? Do you remember? I can see your nipples. No, 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 no. Do you remember? Besides that, I know I'm not wearing any clothes right I'm now. So we're not talking insane. about it.
1: Because okay. <laughs> uh, I, I still remember you. You brought me into the studio, and we were doing that. And they would say, "Yeah, like your hair looks funny," and then your hair looks funny. Or like, just, just or you, finding- You repeat,
2: you say, you say I, my hair looks on, You have to own yeah. it and you say it back. You just repeat yeah. back. That's the key of the miser. You just repeat it back. Yeah. And so what was it about you that you said was weird for you? or
1: It was, uh, it, it's the fact that you took the time to, uh, I guess, make that exercise sort of formulate a bond and that, that sense of yeah. comfort. Because when I walked in, I'm used to commercial work in Denver where it is that slate, you know, do your audition and you leave. And then I come in here with you, and I'm thinking, yeah, it'll take like 15 minutes. You go, all right, so here's your 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 actress you're, you're working off of. We're going to do some Meisner. I'd never done it before. Uh, and, you know, go from there. And she said something similar to, um, I think it was, you know, you're tall. And I just said, you're short. And then you went, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> just, you're, you're repeating based on impulse and, and delivering an yeah. emotion. And it was... Honestly, the, the, the greatest gift um, an auditions ever given me is approaching things differently and actually led to me taking more classes Great. to identify things cool. like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, for those of you who are listening, if you ever auditioned for Deck Nine, expect you know some really fun mm-hmm. callback experiences. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Quo- just,
2: fun in quotes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not used to it, be open to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, do you still remember your
2: question? Yeah, oh, sure yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We're
0: yeah. good. Yeah
2: uh so yeah, yeah but I, it, I recommend anybody looking into meisner it's absolutely. a really good way mm-hmm. even this is even something you can do over um zoom as crazy as because it's just about connecting with somebody else uh, oh. there might be a small time delay but for the most part you just need a face that you can read mm-hmm. you can actually see how they're feeling and them to be able to see you and yeah. it's um Actually, I want to look into that. Is there any doing any VR Meisner? Maybe I don't could, uh, do I some don't of that right now.
1: There's a lot of Adler and Stanis- Stanislavski. Stanislavski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would show you my, my Meisner uh, Goodwill book, but it's cramped behind my Smallville DVD collection. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> so, anyway, look into that uh, for those of you who are listening. It's really, I love the process because you don't have to be an actor. In fact, I love doing it with people who are not actors, I mm-hmm. do it with staff and Uh, at deck nine. We get say we're gonna do Meisner and they're like, why the hell are we doing this? And but they (laughs) once they do it a few times they're like, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. because what it does is it doesn't, it's not just great for actors because with actors you always have to be reading the other person. It's Mm -hmm. all about seeing what's going on with them and and feeling what they're feeling and using that. Um but it's a really good just life skill because Mm -hmm. once you start to look for those things, you start looking for it in everybody. And all of a sudden you start realizing you're talking to your boss and you're like blah 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 and you're like, Oh my god, he's lying to me right now. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. because you start seeing things, you start seeing mm-hmm. those tells and you uh you know, not that my boss would ever lie to me, but you right. know No, uh, no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> but you start reading things about from people that right. are um you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, she's uncomfortable right now, mm-hmm, okay. So mm-hmm. now it gives you an opportunity to maybe just say, I can tell you're uncomfortable, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry, is there anything I could do for it? And the people are like, how did you know that? Like, yeah. it's almost yeah. like mind reading, right? Yeah. Um, but it's a really good skill um, just to have. And of course it pays huge dividends when you're in as an actor. All right, yeah. so I'll, oh, and people say that I get, I get kickbacks from Meisner and I don't, cause I, I this just <laughs> a really great process. I'll shut up about it now. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. I think that's great to know, especially, yeah, for people who are listening and, and, you know, maybe actors who haven't even thought of auditioning for video games before, like that's really cool to know.
2: (laughs) That's probably Um, worth mentioning. Uh, So auditioning for video games. If those of you who are listening you're thinking, Oh yeah, I think I want to audition for a video game. What is it that you guys are looking for? Right. That's probably like a question on the tip of at least one person's tongue um, is that we just look for authentic performance. Um, as far as the way that we create games, we're just looking for the most grounded, realistic, connected performance. Um, and we look for filmic performance. Mm-hmm. So it's the subtlety of film. So we can get like the 85 millimeter close up on your face mm-hmm. uh, insert, which we can see all the little twitches in your eyes of how, oh my gosh, you're in pain right now. Um And it's not the Theatric performance, Mm -hmm. right? It's not the I'm going to tell the world And, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. You you don't have to read it From the back row. So, but what we do like From the theatric side Of the training Is we do like the um, The discipline That Mm -hmm. comes with that Because being able to consistently do a performance. If we go for multiple takes, keeping that consistency mm-hmm. from take to take is super yep. helpful because we only want to tune the stuff that's broken and keep the stuff that's working. Right. Uh, I have some act, film actors that uh, we're working with uh, in the past and every take was different. And it was like, I. it was really hard yeah. to pick the circle take because... I, well, that was good for this reason, but that was for that yeah. reason. Yeah. No, I can't. It's really hard to. So, the consistency of uh, the, the plis, uh, discipline yeah. that comes with theater is super helpful. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's that. All right, I I'll just thought
0: up. of a second question. Ah! As, okay, keep uh, going. On top of the one. Okay. So, really quick, um, because I wanted to ask this a while ago, um, how difficult is it to. So, say, like, you recorded Tyler's movements or whatever, would you use his movements on a character that looks nothing like him or is it too difficult to kind of make that adjustment?
2: Well, first of all, I would never use Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) That's just your first mistake right there, assuming that I would use him.
0: Yeah, that's fair, that's fair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm blacklisted.
2: Okay, Um, but uh, yeah, actually, really good question. We have something with technology. It's called uh, retargeting. Mm -hmm. Um, What we try to do is called one-to-one, where your actual skeleton matches the physical skeleton that's in the game. So that way, when you, I don't know, when you lean forward and you pick up the cup of water, your hand goes exactly where we expect it. Right. However, just, uh, I'm going to not use Tyler's example, but let's (laughs) say- (laughs) <laughs> but let's say Tyler is playing a an ogre, like right. a ten foot ogre, okay? Um, obviously, we're never going to be able to cast somebody who's ten feet tall right. that is going to be a perform or if they existed if they're a good enough performer. Right. So we have to retarget. So whatever motions he does, we have to scale up to this larger character. Now, when you imagine, Um, when Tyler, the actor, has to go pick up the cup from the table. Mm -hmm. um, And then, of course, a 10-foot version of that has to pick up. Either his hand is going to be whiffing Mm -hmm. four feet above the water,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: or when you retarget, you say, well, the hand has to contact the cup. So it basically changes the position of his arms and his legs. It's called inverse kinematics. It basically... It changes the joints so that his hand can get to the cup, Got which it. yeah. And you, here you go. I'm gonna do a little demonstration for you here on the video. <laughs> of yeah. course, nobody's gonna be able to we see might, this. Uh, maybe we'll
0: just use this, so, this part yeah. of the video to share. So, so,
2: but as an ogre, in order to pick up the water, I might have to bend the back, stick the butt out, and do right. this, and then now I can pick up the water. But that looks really bad and awkward, yeah. right? Yeah. So retargeting isn't always great. Um, but it has to be done and there's different ways of solving for it and whatnot. So the short answer is it's possible, but it can be problematic and you have to be very careful and you have to do a lot of testing to see um, how certain people are going to portray certain characters.
1: Before we, uh, we start wrapping up. Is there anything you wish to plug uh, for our listeners?
2: Um, Let me see. I'm going to pull out my list here. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, I don't, um, me think so deck nine games.com is the uh, the company that i work for that makes the video games uh, so deck nine games um i have my personal website which is webpickersgill.com, which i'm sure the my spelling will be in the title of this podcast <laughs> or in the show notes um and i i have a blog i i blog about all sorts of wacky stuff i, uh, I blogged about the my my uh journey from the fitness side ju- cool. uh, about that um I don't know all sorts of stuff on there if you're interested and no, I don't really have anything to sell here that's that's that that sucks I should I should have something to sell (laughs) (laughs) oh actually hold on I kind of do this is I don't know who's going to get this but um if you play Uh D&D for those of you who are like oh wait I think I play D&D um I sell on the um uh, oh gosh hold on what's it called the um
1: Steph is leaning
2: in because she's a massive D&Dner. D&D nerd. Well, my um, brothers
0: are more massive, so I can they'll be very curious to hear what you
2: have to say. Um, on the DMs Guild, which is a... Are you familiar with the DMs Guild?
0: I'm not, but I bet okay. you my brother is.
2: Okay, so the DMs Guild is a place where anybody can create um, D&D content, and then okay. it's like a marketplace, so you can kind of sell it.
0: Oh, nice.
2: Um, so when I was heavy into d and I created these uh, really cool... Uh, pdfs that you can print out and then you put their character tents so oh,
3: cool. you, you have all the
2: stats of all so as a dm i can see all the stats of all my characters Oh, that's super smart and then you can rearrange them depending on the battle order oh, right uh, right on, right. Um, and then that way when you're rolling i can just look at their stats and tell right. them right away whether oh, they that's succeed smart it or not. yeah um, and it's been pretty successful on there oh, so yeah if you cool. want to go on the uh, dm's guild and search right. for the ultimate uh, character tent collection. You could always do that. So there's a hard sell. There we go. Okay. I
0: love that. Big yes. spike I love that.
2: In sales. Yay. I'll
0: get <laughs> that's about to be awesome. Woohoo. Um, and any last minute advice you have for listeners? I mean, I feel like you touched on a lot of things that were.
2: I don't bad. know what I touched on. It's yeah. <laughs> funny, but, um, I don't know. Uh, just don't, don't do what I did.
0: Yeah. Um, that's
2: fair. Yes. Uh, but I, But in all seriousness, um, I would say, do kind of follow your heart, Uh, although be prepared to – it's going to be hard if you follow your heart, right? Because, like, I worked as an IT guy for many years, worked, you know, did really well, um, wasted all that money, Mm -hmm. and then went into film and video, which doesn't pay anything. Mm -hmm. But it was emotionally rewarding, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been – it's cha- it's challenging financially, but it's mm-hmm. very rewarding creatively mm-hmm. to yeah, be able absolutely. to switch gears like that.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Cool. This is.
0: Oh, Webb! I have so many more questions for you, <laughs> but we can't have a two, three-hour-long episode. So. Part <laughs> one of
1: five. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, right? We'll bring you back. <laughs> We'll playing, you know, holiday season. Bring you back. Oh gosh. It'll just be you and Steph, because I can see the questions <laughs> oozing out of her eyeballs right now. Yeah, right. Uh but No Man, thank you so much for for coming on and being, yeah, being a part this of this. Is great
2: this is cool thank you so much for having me this um, yeah. has been so much fun talking to you yeah. too yeah yeah
0: um, and for our listeners um, as always please make sure you're following us on social media and uh, instagram uh, facebook and twitter pwrp podcast um, we will definitely be linking um, everything that web just told us about in the show notes but um, probably on some of those mediums as well
1: Yes. And if you, uh, as always, if you'd like to be a part of the show, uh, come on and share your story. Just email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com and we'll get back to you right away uh, because none of us are working right now. Right. Uh, Um, right
0: And we are also now a week into our Patreon launch. So if you um, haven't had a chance to check out that, please do. Um, And if you think you can support us uh, financially, that would be awesome. Um, if you can't, but you can rate and review us on whatever podcast system you're listening to us on, um, that would be also awesome. And yeah.
1: Yes, please get me off the street corner. It's
0: not going very well. Uh, People are paying him to stay away and put his clothes back on. It's so. actually, that's
1: actually the fun part. Um, <laughs> Yeah, without further ado, Webb, Please join us for a very awesome, awkward goodbye.
3: Bye. 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 <laughs>